Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Metapod, the Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. I am your host, Sean, and not joined today by Jake because Jake is not feeling the best today. He is feeling a little under the weather, so... This is the first time I am doing a solo pod. I think Jake has taken the reins several times now, so it, I think it is. I, I am due to, to pull my own weight here and do a solo pod. But um, yeah, for those of you who are watching, you can see Jake's lovely mug up there on screen. Uh, I, I took the time to find a very unflattering <laughs> photo in particular. Jake, I apologize. Uh, but you know, maybe take better photos of yourself on Twitter. That's all I'm going to say. People want to see your beautiful face, Jake. Anywho. Uh, yeah, so today, today we are not going to be doing a, uh, a review, a five-star review. I, you know, I appreciate it. Keep, keep sending those in. We do appreciate it. Next week, hopefully, we'll be back to normal after a couple of weird weeks. Uh, but we did want to get this pod out because this week we had LAIC, the Latin American International Championship, uh, big tournament, big, 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 big tournament. Uh, and we wanted to make sure that we got a pod out there, talk about this event, talk about how it changes the meta, what people might have thought going into it, et cetera. So that's what we're going to do. And uh, yeah, uh, I think without further ado, this pod probably won't be the longest in the world doing it solo. We're going to stick to one thing. So we'll just jump into it. No no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Just, Just straight into... The results. So, if you don't know, LAIC um, is the international championship that's held for South America, or that region of the world. It's almost always held in Brazil, I want to say, but it's in Sao Paulo this year. Um, and there were 976 players. But what's important about looking at this event in particular is that it is the first big tournament, and it was the first weekend where Silver Tempest was tournament legal so you get this big new set lots of exciting stuff uh to play around with in the set i know a lot of people were excited when they first saw the set about you know reggie drago like our dragon pokemon gonna be like big and back again in the pokemon tcg but who knows uh there was also though after people saw a lot of results out of japan lugia v-star uh and it was lugia paired with archaeops we'll get into that deck list because that was the deck I think most people predicted would be really strong going in, and it was no surprise. The deck absolutely popped off. It was nuts. Uh, but, you know, there were some other decks out there that did really well, and um, we're going to talk about a couple of those, uh, even some that are outside of maybe that uh, top 16, if we look down. It depends on what kind of deck lists are available. Uh, obviously, we're looking at the deck list provided through Limitless, so... Shout out to Limitless uh, once again for collecting all the deck lists. But I will say, before we get into individual lists, talk about who won, uh, etc., I think it's important to, to call out the fact that 25%, from what I heard reported, 25% of the day one meta uh, was Lugia V-Star, which is quite high for the first time that this deck is going to show up at a tournament, too. Like, for 25% of the people... To, in total, to play Lugia V-Star is quite high. And then it's not like a bunch of people played it, and what you expect with a high percentage of people playing it is that maybe you'll have like a slightly lower conversion because, you know, the the level of players is going to be varied at that 25%. But 
but in reality, I think it ended up being like 43% of day two decks were Lugia. So the percentage only grew, which meant that, to be frank, Lugia is, you know, until somebody finds a, a really good counter, Lugia is just the best deck in the format. You know, whether or not you like it, you hate it, I think that it is fair to say that that deck is performing the best at the moment. Uh, and for those of you who are looking on YouTube and watching this, uh, you can sort of see a preview of that top 16. And there's like, there's some not Lugia, but there's a lot of Lugia on that, on that, that page there. So, but yeah, we will, we will get into it. Like I said, 43% of the day two and then of the top 16, uh, which is where I'll stop at least for the initial rankings. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12 of the top 16. So it goes 25% day one, 43% day two to 75% top 16. Uh, and I believe it was the same, 75% top eight as well, which maybe is the more important metric because you do the top eight cut at these tournaments. So yeah, 25 to 46 to 43 to 75%. It's a pretty impressive showing for Lugia in its first tournament. Um, but, you know, a few other decks did <clears throat> did make a good showing in that top cut. We did have uh, Grant Manley piloting a Lost Box deck that, we'll, deck that we'll talk about. We have the Control Master himself, Sander, piloting Eveltal Control. Uh, we'll get into that list. I did get a chance, I think, to watch a little bit of play in, I want to say, the seniors division finals. Sander unfortunately did not. He was he, he got beat out by Tord in the semifinals, I believe it was, or maybe top eight. But yeah, uh, surprising for a lot of people. But I, you know, they didn't stream that match unfortunately, so we couldn't see it. But uh, and then outside of that, in the top top tables, you really have just another lost box. Mu V Max, you know, had a showing in top sixteen. Um, and then you, you kind of have to go down to like past the top 20 to start finding other decks. And, and, you know, at that point, you know, you have a Duraludon VMAX. Maybe we'll talk about that as well. Um, Cause that one might be an interesting way to consider countering this Lugia deck, but even then it's, it's a tough matchup, but let's start with the number one deck, the number one player, I would venture to argue toward Reklav taking it home winning LAIC. For those of you who maybe don't know the name Tord Reklev or don't really understand how impressive this feat is, Tord has now won each of the international championships at least once. He's won North American International Championship, European, um, Oceania, the Australia one, and then finally now wins LAIC. So he has it's like he's done the grand slam, if you will, of Pokemon by winning all four ICs. So he did not do it all in the same year. That would be, I can't even imagine that happening. But, you know, the only thing that he has left to do is win a world. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it, though. We'll look at Tord's list, the winning list, um, and open that up there, that image there. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, you should see the image. But... Yeah, let's talk about what Lugia V-Star is shaping up to be in the format. So a lot of debate, I think, um, about like the exact numbers of Lugia, Lugia V-Stars. 
toward opting for a very consistent version of the list, I think, uh, in four Lugia V, three Lugia V star. So you really want to make sure that you get that Lugia V star turn two so that you can use its ability to get two of the Archeops, if you can, into uh, the bench. Now, for those of you who don't know, Lugia V-Star's ability, Summoning Star, uh, it allows you to put two colorless Pokemon from your discard pile onto your bench. And that can be any colorless Pokemon, right? But the choice, the obvious choice here, we talked about this when we did our set review, Archeops is a stage two, it would be really annoying to get out because you'd have to get an unidentified fossil and then, yeah, no, there's no, nobody's doing that. The goal is to get Archeops into the discard, uh, into your, your discard as soon as possible, turn one, preferably get two of them in there. And then on turn two, use its V-Star ability, its V-Star power to bring two of them onto your bench. And what Archeops allows you to do is once during your turn, you can search your deck for up to two special energy cards and attach them to one of your Pokemon, and then you shuffle your deck. So if you get both of them onto your bench on turn two, you'll be able to, on the same turn, then go search your deck and do it every turn for two special energies onto one Pokemon twice in a turn. So up to four special energies, basically. So that is sort of the goal. Um, Lugia V-Star does have an, a, an attack. Um, I think it's called Tempest Dive. Four colorless energies, so you can use any number of these does 220 damage and you may discard a stadium in play. I think that attack is uh, potentially useful in certain matchups if you are worried about like, you know, path to the peak turning off some of your other abilities later or uh, maybe, you know, in a control matchup if you're worried about um, a Galar Mine sticking around. Uh, obviously, that's going to be a tough matchup for other reasons we'll talk about later, but you know, it can be a useful, uh, you know, additional bonus. Now, uh, that is sort of the core of how the deck works. But what's interesting in Tord's list and in many of the other lists we saw are what are the other Pokemon that people are going to play in this deck to make it that top tier competitor? Um, in terms of your attackers, we'll start there. Uh, Tord has opted for the Radiant Charizard. Uh, Radiant Charizard, of course, has the ability that it can that its attack costs one colorless less for each prize card your opponent has taken. So if your opponent has taken four prizes, it's one fire energy to do 250 damage. Obviously can't attack on the next turn, but 250 damage is a lot. That's a lot of damage. Uh, so, uh, and that's going to knock out a lot of Pokemon Vs. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any, yeah, there's a choice belt in here. So you can get up to 280, which would knock out an opposing Lugia V-Star, an Arceus V-Star, Palkia, like a lot of the V-Stars out there are gonna cap out at 280. So between a Radiant Charizard and a Choice Belt, that's all you really need. Uh, you can put a single prize Pokemon late in the game. You can even do it earlier in the game though because of the Archeops, right? You can put Aurora and let's say a double turbo energy uh, onto that Radiant Charizard so that you can get it out on turn, you know, after your opponent's only taking two prizes maybe. Um, or you can use all of Archeops stuff, get it out immediately. I don't know why you would do that, but it's an option. So you have kind of a one hit, one, a one hit Oko prize, like single prizer that you can use there. But you also, this is where the deck can get really crazy. The other attacker in the deck, uh, out of the three is Eveltal. Now it's amazing rare Eveltal. And for those of you who maybe don't remember what amazing rare Eveltal does, it is a basic Pokemon, which is lovely. 
Uh, it's got one of these in the deck for a fire, a psychic, a darkness, and two colorless. So it's five energy. There's no way to make that cheaper. But you do have Aurora energies and hiding dark energy, one of those in the deck to meet those cost requirements. If you can find all the energy, your opponent's active Pokemon is knocked out. That is it. That's all you need. It, it's that simple, right? Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so, there are ways to stop that. I think there is... Um, I wonder if it's Big Parasol or... I can't remember this. There is a card. I believe it's a tool that you can attach that allows you to ignore the effects of your opponent's attack on this Pokemon. I think Wash Energy would have the same effect. So, actually... There are interesting ways to get around this that you uh, actually, you'll see some of that in a future deck from Sander, but it can be really weird and interesting, but very few people are playing those cards. So usually the Saveltal comes in if you need to take a big knockout on a two or maybe even a three prize or a Mew VMAX, if you will. Um, just take the knockout, get it out of the way. <clears throat> this is a great card to do that. So... That is the uh, second of the three additional like attackers. And then the third one, which I think surprised a lot of people, uh, and I believe this one is primarily there for Lost Box, is Stoutland V. So Stoutland V, if you don't know what this one does, I'm not surprised, but it has, its first attack is really the main one. It's a 210 HP colorless, for three colorless energy. Um, I wanna say this is Double Dip Fangs is the name of the attack. It's base is 40 damage, and it says if your opponent's Pokemon is knocked out uh, by this tax damage, then you take an extra prize card. And I think it might have to be like a basic, but basically the whole idea here is that you're going to take extra prize cards when you normally wouldn't on single prize basic Pokemon typically. Uh, and while 40 damage doesn't seem like a lot, you have to keep in mind that you are playing Archeops, so you can accelerate special energy one of the special energies we have access to still is powerful colorless energy. And that will add 20 damage for each one of those on this Outland V. So if you power it up entirely with powerful energy, I even saw a turn where somebody put all four powerful energy onto a Stoutland to get it to 80 um, extra damage, doing 120 to knock out a Cramorant, uh, a Lost, Own, Lost Box Cramorant, to take two prizes on that Lost Box Grammarant. And that forces the decks then, those, those Lost Zone decks, to answer this beefy Pokemon immediately, or they're just gonna lose because the prize trade is not gonna work out in their favor all of a sudden. So Stoutland V being the sort of last, you know, situational attacker for this deck, it, this deck is nuts. It's like, there is so much going on in this deck. Um, but outside of that, let's talk about some of the support Pokemon you got here. You have one Lumineon V to go find you whatever supporter you need. Um, in the deck, Tord is only playing uh, four different supporters. You have four Research, two Marnie, uh, and then he's got a 2-2 two -two split, which Jake and I also talked about uh, as probably being where people head. Between Boss's Order, which we know like brings one of your opponent's Pokemon up, and the new sort of boss in Serena. Now, the benefit of Serena, obviously, is it's got two modes. Either you switch your opponent's one of your opponent's benched Pokemon V. So it won't bring up just anything. It has to be a Pokemon V. But the other mode is you can discard uh, up to three cards from your hand and uh, then 
you will you can draw until you have five cards. Really useful. Maybe if it's like turn one and you're going second, uh, you want to get you know an Archaeops down. Maybe you don't even have Luminion. You have Serena. You could still use Serena, discard a couple of those Archaeops, draw back up to five. Like the fact that it has this additional mode, um, very useful. Uh, so. Serena and Boss as a split there, but Luminion being a really good card that you can get out of your deck with Ultra Ball or Quick Ball. Just go grab whatever supporter you need on a cer certain turn. Uh, typically a Research, I would say, or maybe a Boss. But yeah. And in terms of other support Pokemon, you have a Rangaroo, the Primate Wisdom one that lets you put a card back on top. Um, useful if you are uh, worried about getting Marnied in response. Uh, you have Pumpkaboo, which is a basic Pokemon that can get rid of a stadium in play. So if you, if somebody does put a path to the peak down, you can go grab that Pumpkaboo, pop the stadium, get your Lugia V-Stars ability off on turn two. You do have, he did opt for playing the Dunsparce in the deck. Um, so the one Dunsparce that makes your colorless Pokemon have no weakness. Really relevant here because I think people did expect Lugia to be very popular. So being able to turn off that electric weakness, you know, might be very important if your opponents are going to play around that. And then finally, a Manaphy so that your bench Pokemon can't take damage uh, from attacks, I should say. Sableye will still get through from Lost Box. But that is the shape of the Lugia V-Star, the winning Lugia V-Star deck. Um, only other cards in here that are really important to call out. You've got the 4-4 count of quick ball and ultra ball you got four evolution incense again toward being very uh consistency focused in the deck wanting to make sure you can get those archaeops early game get your lugia set up get them into the discard all of that stuff um opting for one lost vacuum as well uh just the option there to take off if your opponent's running maybe a cape of toughness or a big charm or their own uh choice belt right that could knock out your lugia um, two choice belts and then a collapsed stadium being the only stadium in the deck. That is certainly an interesting call. Um, you know, I think against Mew, it could be annoying against any number of things. It also could work out in your favor. If you've got something with a little bit of damage on the bench and you want to just get rid of it, you can collapse stadium, get rid of, uh, one of those damaged Pokemon. So interesting stadium choice there. And then finally, we have uh, the energy counts, which if you're planning on playing Lugia V-Star, because uh, it is a very good deck, this is important to consider. There's a lot of special energy in the deck, a lot of energy in general. You've got four powerful colorless energy, four of the Aurora energy, which are going to give you any of the colors that you need for that Eveltal or Radiant Charizard, or even Luminion, which, you know, that attack is useful sometimes to knock out maybe a single prize or shuffle itself back into the deck. Um, four capture energy, Another important card to make sure you're getting your setup. And then two double turbo and one hiding dark energy. Interesting, they're opting for fewer double turbo energies. I think he was relying heavily on the um, turn one attachment and being able to get at least one Archaeops plus an energy from hand to ensure that you can get an attack off turn two with the Lugia V-Star because that tempo is very important for this deck. And something that we uh, a casters noticed throughout the tournament was this sort of feeling that you have that if you're, especially if you're playing the Lugia V-Star Mirror, which there were a lot of over the weekend, who went first seemed to have a really big impact on who ultimately won um, because you're playing that tempo game, right? And it's like, 
who can get their Archeops set up, who can take the knockouts first. Um, and it also kind of came down a bit to like who had the right turn one. Uh, but ultimately, you know, if you both are having a good turn one, then whoever went first is going to be far ahead in the driver's seat in pace. So that's a lot of talking from my part. That is towards list. Um, in terms of the other Lugia lists, um, I think there might have been some variation. I want to look at Lucas's list, perhaps, or maybe John Eng's list. Yeah, let's look at John Eng's list and see if there's any major differences. Yes. So the only other major differences in John Eng's list, who uh, got fourth in the tournament, uh, the main difference is opting for no Stoutland and instead having Raikou, the amazing rare Raikou, be the um, be another attacker, opting to be able to knock out a Lugia V uh, for weakness, as well as doing maybe bench damage to knock out, you know, uh, anything else, set something up for a future turn maybe. But the fact that Lugia V star is weak to lightning, uh, the ability with Raikou to, you know, do 120, attach a choice belt, you're doing 150 times two, that's 300. That's enough to knock it out. So... Raikou being that the main difference Pokemon-wise um, has a Crobat in the list. But obviously, he also opted for a slightly different spread of um, energy. Four Powerful, four Aurora, two Capture, two Double Turbo. But then sort of spreading it out between Heat Fire, which, you know, could be useful on Radiant Charizard. Uh, Speed Lightning Energy, which gives you some draw on the Raikou. V-Guard Energy to boost the um, damage negation on your Lugia V-Star in particular. And then one Gift Energy, which is, you know, an interesting card to play because it allows you to draw if that Pokemon is uh, knocked out uh, back up to, I want to say, seven. So it really stops some of the um, Marnie uh, knockouts or even, um, oh, what's the the new N? I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but the one that sets your hand down to two. Um, that's the main difference. I don't know how much more different the Lugias were. We'll look at Lucas's list just to see real quick. No, not, not all that different. So it's really like, you know, how much do you value hiding dark versus how much do you value gift energy maybe um, versus heat fire. That was like sort of the main gist of the Lugia list. So the question then is, what other decks are out there? What what are the other things that uh, that you should maybe be considering in this format? We'll start with another attacking list in Lost Box, because I think this is obviously a deck that uh, people were playing a lot in the last format, but it has evolved, you know, <laughs> significantly um, with this. And the one that got fourth place by Grant Manley, uh, the main difference in Lost Box, you're still playing those four flower-selecting comfies, Right. Still got two of the Lost Sableyes and two of the Lost Box Cramorants. Radiant Greninja is still your, you know, Radiant of choice. But then the rest of the Pokemon are where it kind of gets wonky. Um, you have the the one Snorlax still, the unfaced fat that you can prevent all effects of attacks. So that would stop the Veltal. That would also stop opponents who are playing maybe Sableye on their end. Um, and you are doing 180 damage, which is useful because it's going to knock out a lot of Vs, like your support Vs, like Luminions or Crobats. But it also can knock out opposing, you know, uh, 
you know, Radiant Greninjas, other Lost Box Pokemon that might be, even the Archeops. This was important because that Snorlax, I believe I saw it where it did knock out, I believe it was an Archeops or some other, you know, single prizer that maybe was challenging. So one Snorlax. The other two important ones in the list though are Kyogre. So this list is very different. Uh, you're going to be playing Energy Recycler and you're going to be playing the Celebrations Kyogre. I'm clicking into this one because I think it's important. Um, the first attack is the main one you're going to want to go with. And you're going to use this attack very late in the game when you have basically gotten rid of all the cards in your deck and you can Energy Recycler, um, you know, only energy back into your deck. So this is a closer move. For two color and two water and a colorless, Aquastorm does discard the top five cards of your deck and then choose two of your opponent's bench Pokemon. The attack does 50 damage for each energy you discarded in this way to each of those Pokemon. So if you can play everything correctly, set up a couple of damage here and there with Sableye, you can even end the game basically with this Kyogre. If you can ensure that there's three, four, five energy in that five that you're going to be discarding, that's enough damage. You know, it's 250 damage is the max. And so if you've got 250 damage and you've set up, you know, six damage counters two ways, that's 310 damage, which is enough to knock out two Mu V maxes. Now, you're not likely to have two Mu V maxes on the bench necessarily, but that just shows you the power of this Kyogre as a closer Pokemon. If you can play the game of setting up damage counters uh, against decks that don't have any way to deal with that necessarily. So Kyogre there being a really interesting sort of adjustment for this single prize loss box. But the other interesting card that Grant has in the deck is one copy of Raikou V. Now this Raikou V, uh, is a lightning Pokemon. Obviously, it's Raikou. But it has two things. The ability Fleet-Footed is useful. If it's in the active spot, you can draw a card. But its attack is a lightning colorless, and it does 20 plus, 20 more damage for each bench Pokemon. Important thing about this, again, Lugia V-Star being one of the most popular decks in the format, this is your counter to Lugia V-Star because it's weak to lightning, it's going to want to have a few things on the bench. You'll have probably a full bench. So the idea of getting up to 140 damage only requiring three and three bench plus the 20. So 120 plus 20, 140 times two, 280. That's very easy for Raikou V to get to. Now, is it going to be difficult on the, you know, <laughs> the crackback? Like you'll get the Lugia V-Star. They might then take two prizes. Yes, but... It's important to note there that like if you're setting up your damage and you just need two prizes to end the game, uh, that Raikou V is a really good way of taking those last couple of prizes. Uh, outside of that, you know, you're leaning heavily into Colrus. You've got Mirage Gate in the deck, which is interesting because that allows you to play Radiant Greninja, Snorlax, Kyogre, Raikou, which do require a couple of energy. Four battle VIP pass, all the switching cards between nets and ropes and switch carts. Um, and then the one interesting thing here, yeah, you got a couple of ordinary rods to also recycle Pokemon. And those two energy recyclers, which allows you to shuffle five basic energy from your discard back into your deck. Um, that is really important, again, if you're going to play Kyogre, but just in general, any Lost Zone deck, you might be running out of energy, whether that's to 
having to loss zone energy here and there, putting energy in your discard. So between Ordinary Rod, Clara, and Energy Recycler, that's how you're going to get the right types of energy back. Um, and then stadium-wise, you are running two Pokestops. So finding those item cards. Overall, though, uh, you know, really interesting deck. It was exciting to see this deck played. Uh, I believe I saw a version of this, or maybe this deck itself played on stream at one point. Um, so that was really exciting to watch. But yeah, congrats to Grant on getting fourth with Lost Box. And then, uh, yeah, in terms of the top eight, there was only one other deck that made top eight that wasn't Lugia. And that, and this is going to be the mind-bending one. Sander bringing some control to the format again, doing very well. Uh, I'm pulling this deck list up. If you, if you didn't really understand the format, and even if you do, half of these cards, you're going to be like, what is going on here? So for those of you on YouTube, I don't know, screenshot this, start looking around, but I'm going to try my best to explain what all is going on in Sanders' control deck. So buckle up. This one's going to be a long one. So the deck has a number of strategies. Um, so, but I will start with maybe one of the more important things in terms of control, like long-term control. And that is he's playing four of the Celebrations Yveltal. Now, you may have seen this card as a popular tech against things like Mew VMAX um, not that long ago. But especially if you're considering the most popular deck in the format is Lugia V-Star. That deck plays only special energy. So it seems to me that a twin energy-based basic Pokemon that can discard as its attack, discard up to three special energy from your opponent's Pokemon, that would be um, that would be very valuable. Now, granted, uh, you know, any Lugia V-Star player will certainly see this coming, um, which is, you know, important to keep in mind. Like, if they know that they're playing against Eveltal, they will try to make sure not to overextend with their energy. Uh, but if the game goes on too long, and if enough of these Eveltal are able to get their attacks off, they're only giving up one prize each. You're able to recycle them. If you are, you know, attacking with that deck, that deck is going to require, I think, a minimum of three energy on almost all of its attackers, I want to say. Like Charizard, Radiant Charizard, because, you know, you're playing against a control deck, they're never going to take any prizes. So Radiant Charizard's always going to be five energy. Yveltal is five energy. Lugia is four energy. Stoutland is three energy. And then Archeops is three energy. Luminion being three energy is actually maybe your best attacker. And that may have been, I didn't, they did not stream this match, but Luminion V might actually be the best attacker you have in the deck because you can bring the Luminion out, power it up with Archeops, get it into the active, attack, and then shuffle it all back into the deck. And if you are very patient, that is actually probably the winning strategy. Um, I have no idea if that is what Tord went to, but my mind, my, you know, smooth brain, that's where that goes. But otherwise, this Cry of Destruction is going to absolutely wreck a Lugia deck far before it has the opportunity to take enough prizes. So 
I would say that is maybe the core of what makes this deck um, very difficult to deal with. But outside of that, um, the way that you're going to run this deck, there's a number of things. You have Snorlax, the Gormandai Snorlax, to help you buy turns maybe in certain matchups in early games where you're just, I'll send this thing up here. I will draw cards, get, get my whole setup, get my deck down so I can only... So the only things that are in my deck are the things that I want to draw into. Um, you do have Eldegoss V. There's a couple of cards in here that allow you to loop, essentially. Eldegoss V allows you to search whatever supporter you want out of your deck. And it also has a double colorless attack. We'll do 50, and then it will shuffle itself and the energy attached to it back into the deck. So useful to not deck out. Um, Pidgeot V has a similar ability where... Once during your turn, if the Pokemon is on your bench, you may shuffle it and all cards attached to it into your deck. So I did see at one point, I think it was L Venetius or yeah, I might be getting the name wrong, but in the seniors matchup, um, a player was playing this in the finals and he actually started attacking with Pidgeot V because it was useful. You know, like he had to, it was doing a decent amount of damage to knock out Pokemon. So Obviously, that's not what you want to use it for, but it can be used that way. But really, it's there to, like, again, do the Eldegoss thing where, like, I don't want to do damage. I just want to make sure I never deck out. So, like, if it's your last card, if you've left a bench spot open, pop that down, use its ability, shuffle it back into the deck. You will never deck out effectively as long as your opponent doesn't have anything to make you discard. But yes, so that is the purpose of the Pidgeot V. Just hope that you don't start it and get it stuck there. In terms of other cards, you do have one mill tank as a sort of wall. If you know that your opponent is playing a deck where the only attackers are going to be Pokemon V, that may be all you need, right? Just throw a mill tank up there, say, if you can't deal with this, you're just going to deck out before I do and I win. So, you know, punish people who don't have, punish decks that don't have other ways of getting around mill tank. You have one Radiant Guard of War that is useful if you do happen to have the Pidgeot or uh, Eldegoss, or another card we'll get to in a second, Greedent V, um, happening to be it, it on the field. Uh, the Greedent, though, is also an interesting card. Uh, that is primarily there, maybe for the mirror match, or if once your opponent, if they know what your strategy is, and you have managed to control them, but they have stopped drawing cards, or maybe you have prized your Pidgeot, or whatever it may be, um, you can crunch and discard an energy from your opponent's active. So doing 40 damage, you know, I, you know, it's just more control there in the form of Greedent. I don't know if I would really choose this too much over um, the Eveltal, but it is another option. I'm sure Sander has a very good reason that he went for that, but I, I suppose that's the reason. Uh, you have Mana Fee to stop any sort of bench damage. One Pukamuku, which Jake and I also talk about that you can put on the bottom of your deck again if you have it in your hand. And then this last card. I will just mention the quick little combo with this card. There is Ice Q. Now, for those of you who may not know, Ice Q is a basic Pokemon, single prizer. The only attack that matters is its second attack for a water and two colorless. During your opponent's next turn, prevent all damage done to this Pokemon by attacks from basic Pokemon. Important thing about this one is... It doesn't matter the damage amount. It's you're stopping basic Pokemon's damage. Now, if you combine that with a couple of things, 
If you combine that with maybe a Galar mine, let's say that makes retreating very expensive, um, or particularly a wash energy. Wash energy, as long as it attached to a uh, water Pokemon, uh, then you can prevent all effects of attacks done to your opponents, done to the Pokemon this card is attached to. So that also stops Sableye V, it stops Eveltal, anything that would just knock you out or place damage counters. So if you can get the Ice Skew onto the field with a Wash Energy attached, and then a twin energy to get the attack off, then you're in business, right? Like you are in a very good spot to effectively uh, withstand a lot of different attacks, like especially Lost Box decks. So between Eveltal to deal with Lugia V-Star, Ice Q to deal with Lost Box, and a variety of other cards to deal with different situations, that is sort of how this deck manages its main control engine outside of that there are a few different cards in here uh he is really opting for a heavy colrus experiment over any other, other draw supporters right so you're gonna play colrus there's a lot of cards that you don't really need so you don't mind lost owning a bunch of stuff but really a draw five basically where you don't have to change anything in your hand is always a good idea so three colrus's experiment a couple of bird keepers because you want to switch out pokemon get something onto the bench um, this deck, as I mentioned, does play Galar Mine, so your idea is also to trap your opponent's Pokemon once you've gotten rid of all that energy. A Bruno, so that you can draw seven cards after you shuffle once an opponent, once one of your opponents, uh, once your one of your Pokemon is knocked out. Um, Peonia is interesting. In case you have prized anything really important, like a Wash Energy, you can play the Peonia to go find that Wash Energy assuming the Peonia isn't also prized, which happened to the seniors player in the finals match. Both Peonia and Wash Energy were prized, and it was against the Lost Box deck. It was very, very difficult. Um, yeah, hard to watch a little bit. But you also got one research. You do have one Sharon's Care, so that if you need to pick up that Greedent V or that Pidgeot, um, or even a Gore, you know the Snorlax, but you can do that with the Sharon's Care, get rid of all those damage counters. If one side lean in order to recycle cards from your discard pile back into your deck on heads flips on a coin flip, one boss's order, one Flannery to get rid of a stadium and a special energy, another way to get rid of special energy. So clearly, Xander was like, there's going to be special energy everywhere. That's my goal. One Sydney. Um, yeah. You can discard up to two tools, special energy, or stadium cards. So, again, if you think your opponent is sitting on a bunch of special energy cards in their hand, pretty useful there. Uh, in terms of other tech cards, a couple of crushing hammers, even more energy removal if you're playing against, say, like a lost box deck. Um, you got your scoop up nets, team yell horns to give even more annoyance to your you know uh, opponent's Pokemon by confusing them. Lost vacuum. Lucky Egg to draw you cards. Um, one Forest Stone Seal, Seal Stone. So if you are in a really weird spot, you don't have any other Pokemon V star abilities that you need to use. Just throw this on there. Go grab one card that you need. Uh, Path to the Peak does not stop this because it's you know a, an ability that's on an item card rather than the Pokemon itself. A couple of Cape of Toughness to, boo, be, to beef up some of your Pokemon. 
Galar Mine, and then really just double turbos, twin energies, and wash energy, that one of wash energy there. So overall, I think I've given you a good sense of the reason that this deck exists in the format, how you pilot it in any given matchup. I, you know, we could all try. I don't think that I would be a good pilot of this deck, to be frank. I think it'd be very hard for anybody who's not familiar with control at all to pilot this deck. But I do think that the strategy with Lugia V-Star being so popular of focusing on getting rid of special energy in particular, you know, I, I, this, this is, I think, really well poised to do well with the right pilot. Obviously, Sander is maybe one of the best control pilots out there, so... A bit of an advantage to Sander. Uh, but now that it's out there, I wonder how people in other decks might start teching for this at all or being aware of how to play against this. But yeah, that was a 10 plus, I think, minute talk about control. But that's that's how long it takes to understand control. Think about how long it would take to actually play the deck in a tournament. Um, outside of that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a Mew VMAX deck. I don't like, we can quickly take a look to see if anything has changed with Mew VMAX um, versus what it was before. It doesn't seem like all that much is different. They are opting for the Forest Sealstone, a Heroes Medal, two Lost Cities now, just to get rid of some of the annoying cards. But in general, like Mew VMAX go burr. Um, I do think it's interesting to look at the Duraludon VMAX list because in terms of potential counters to um, the Lugia V-Star deck, you would think that Duraludon VMAX, which has the ability, uh, Skyscraper, prevent all damage done to this Pokemon by attacks from your opponent's Pokemon that have special energy attached. You would think that that would be a really clean way to just counter Lugia V-Star. And I think in some ways it is, right? It just has that ability and as far as I understand it, they, uh, a lot of Lugia V-Star decks are not playing Path to the Peak, so they wouldn't be able to just turn this ability off necessarily. However, however, this is why um, that Lugia V-Star, not Lugia, pff, the Eveltal Amazing Rare is important in the deck because that just knocks out the Pokemon. So it's not damage to the Duraludon VMAX. That is simply knockout. <clears throat> so... The only way that Duraludon VMAX is able to, I believe, stop that, I'm looking through this list right now, and yeah, it looks like Big Parasol prevent all effects of attacks to your opponent's Pokemon done to all of your Pokemon. So the only way to stop that would be to have the Big Parasol on a Duraludon VMAX and hope that your opponent doesn't have any tool card removal, like a Lost Vacuum. Um, so there's a couple of ways to get around it. I think if you managed to start Duraludon VMAX, um, not give up, uh, not give up more than five prizes, and get a second Duraludon VMAX with a big parasol out, you might have a you might really struggle if you are the Lugia V Star. Let me go back here to Lugia V Star and see if Towards List maybe has a way to deal with two. Um, big parasols because there are two in the list and i'm not sure they do there's one lost vacuum and that seems to be it so yeah you would really have to play it smart 
and get both big parasols onto that. So certainly an option, but um, not ideal. But yeah, that's that's primarily like the main stuff from the tournament. Um, everything else, like, you know, congrats to everybody else who, who did well in the event. A lot of Lugia V-Star, like we said. Um, in terms of statistics, yeah. Overall, uh, this is day two, 53%, I guess, in day two or something like that, for, at least for the top 70, you know, uh, in points. Yeah, it's that's nuts. That's nuts for Lugia. Uh, Mew Genesect actually having slightly more in those top tier. And then, I don't know, overall, but, you know, 15 to 13 lost box. And then everything after that is just kind of roll the dice, you know, one Eldegoss control, uh, a few Giratinas, Palkias, Kirims, some Reggies, which I know people were really excited about. They thought Reggie would have a really good chance here, but clearly it did not perform quite as well as expected. Um, one thing I'm surprised about though, is there were not, as, there was not more Vikavolts, Vikavolt or Reggie Luckies, but perhaps that's just a fact that like, look, Lugia is just going to go a lot faster than you. They're going to find answers. They don't, once they get set up, they don't need the item cards as much. So maybe that's just the reasoning, but yeah. Um, I think with that, we might just call this one an episode. Thank you everybody for listening this week, for sticking it out with us. Uh, hopefully I was able to provide you lots of great information on the solo version of Metapod. And uh, hopefully Jake can join us next week. And I can, I won't talk about all the same things, but we'll certainly, uh, I'll, I'll debrief Jake on, uh, on what the meta is shaping up to be going into uh, Toronto. I think Toronto, it's either this weekend or the following, but coming up soon, you also have Dallas coming up. So a couple of big regionals to see how the meta shakes up. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us today. And uh, thank you all for listening. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. And uh, we will see you next time on the podcast that evolves around the, revolves around the evolving meta. Bye.